Good morning, brothers and sisters. It is a joy and a privilege to worship the Lord God together with you on this Sunday morning. Let's now open the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning will come from Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, we'll read verses 6 through 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So far from Isaiah, and I will also turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Our text this morning will be verses 21 to 30, but we'll start in verse 1. We'll read John 13, verses 1 to 30. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. 
After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Jesus had the money bag, Jesus was telling I might have read that wrong. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. The text to which we'll be giving our special attention is John 13, the verses 21 through 30. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, As we prepare, finally, to gather around the Lord's table, we now have an opportunity again to visit the Gospel of John. We started uh, working through the Gospel of John, chapters 13 to 17, uh, many months ago. These are the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself spoke to his disciples as they gathered around the first Lord's Supper. Now, last time, we looked at verses 1 to 20. This is a scene we just read about in which Jesus takes off his outer garment, puts on a towel, and washes the feet of his disciple. Uh, we saw as the most humbling thing, or the most humble thing uh, that a person could ever do for another person. Uh, and how Jesus then did this as an example to his disciples, uh, to call them to serve one another in the same way. There's a couple of things that are important for our text now, 21 to 30, uh, that you see already there in verses 1 to 20. Uh, you'll notice already in verse 1, we're told that Jesus was well aware of what was going on. He knew that his time had come, that he had gone into the world and was about to leave the world. Uh, you'll notice as well, verse 2, uh, Satan had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray the Lord Jesus. And that's the, that then sets the stage for what unfolds in our text this morning. Uh, as we think about this, these last words that Jesus spoke to Judas uh, at the Lord's Supper, the first thing that we should take note of here is the kindness and the love of the Lord Jesus. It's there as well in the earlier text. Jesus loved them, it says, to the end. And that's not referring to only 11 of the disciples. It says he loved his disciples, uh, all of them. And we shouldn't miss this uh, as well. So we've seen how he, he showed that love by, by washing their feet, uh, by humbling himself, in, including presumably the feet of Judas, the one who was to betray him. Uh, so the Lord Jesus humbled himself. And you see it in verse 21 as well. It says, after these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit. He was troubled in spirit and said, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. I think what we want to recognize here is the Lord Jesus hurt. It hurt him that one of his friends was going to betray him. 
uh, his kindness towards Judas, and it's not just an external thing where he loves Judas because he has to, because he loves all of the other disciples, where he goes through the motions for Judas. No, he was troubled in spirit at the fact that Judas, his friend, his disciple who'd walked with him and spoken with him, was going to betray him. So we shouldn't miss the humanity of, of the Lord Jesus. His heart was heavy in this moment. Uh, uh, though, though, uh, uh, though Jesus did know that G- Judas was going to betray him, yet he still loved him all along. He loved the man who he knew would one day turn against him. And so his heart is heavy, and undoubtedly the disciples would have seen this on the Lord Jesus' face as well, uh, that, that something's on our Lord's mind. And yet Jesus also knew that this was exactly what God had prepared him for, and that now had come the time uh, to go. Uh, and so he, he announces with authority. It even says he testifies. He didn't just say he, he testifies. And that means he's saying this now so that they'll remember it later that he foretold that this was going to happen. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus had told the disciples he would be betrayed, but it is the first time uh, that he makes it very clear, one of you, one of you twelve, will betray me. And so the disciples are disturbed by this. They're looking around at one another, looking at the Lord Jesus, wondering who could he be referring to. It says that Peter motioned to John uh, to to go and ask the Lord Jesus. So maybe a bit of context is helpful here. Uh, In the Lord's Supper, they didn't sit, in in the First Supper anyways, they didn't sit at uh, chairs around the table. They would recline. They had uh, couches or cushions on which each one was laying uh, as they reclined around the table. And they must have been some distance apart from each other uh, because when Jesus says this, Peter didn't just directly ask the Lord Jesus, but he seems to have signaled with his hand or given uh, John the eye uh, saying, go ask him. Uh, So John was reclining right next to the Lord Jesus. Uh, and then John, uh, he, he leans back against the Lord Jesus. We shouldn't be put off by, by this sort of intimacy among men. It was common in, in that day. So John leans his head upon the chest of the Lord Jesus, looks up straight into his face, and he must have asked quietly. This, this conversation must have taken place quietly. Uh, John looks to the Lord Jesus and says, Lord, who is it? And you can tell that the other disciples didn't hear Jesus' answer. Otherwise, they would have known that Judas was, was the one. But John alone heard it. Uh, and Jesus, instead of saying his name, which might have been overheard, Jesus says, it's the one to whom I give this morsel of bread after I have dipped it. And so then he dips it. Uh, this would be into a, a sort of fruit puree uh, that was typically there at, at the Passover celebration, a mix of raisin and dates and uh, other, uh, other fruits, uh, as well as uh, perhaps sour wine. And, and he would have dipped the bread uh, and then given it to Judas. And you think about that. John's on the one side. Judas was on Jesus' other side then. It's the only way he could have given this bread directly into the hand of, of Judas. Well, what we want to see in this moment, in this, this intimate moment of Jesus with his disciples, we want to see Jesus' kindness towards Judas. Not only is Jesus grieved in heart at the fact that Judas is going to betray him, but even still in this moment, he reclines next to Judas 
And Jesus extends his fellowship with him. He extends grace to him. He gives this bread, a bread of fellowship, into the hand of Judas. He invites Judas to share fellowship with him. So in all this, then, we, we want to see Jesus' kindness and love towards Judas. But it's also in this same moment uh, that the decision comes to Judas, uh, will I have fellowship with the Lord or not? He's offered the bread. He's offered forgiveness. And yet Judas does not relent from his sin. And so what we want to see here then, too, is the surrender of Judas to Satan. John tells us it's in this moment when he received the bread from the hand of the Lord that Satan finally filled Judas's heart. It's at this moment when the, the last kindness, the last mercy of, of Jesus towards him still fails to soften Judas's heart as he's scheming and planning uh, to, to betray the Lord. It's in that moment when he refuses the kindness of Jesus that he surrenders himself over to the power of darkness. And brothers and sisters, what a, what a dangerous road it is to walk, to be that close to Jesus, to be in fellowship with Jesus, taking the bread from Jesus, uh, to, to receive the grace of God, but not let go of the secret sins, the hidden plans, the scheming of our heart. How dangerous it is to think that you can have both, that you think you can have fellowship with Christ and also the sin that you won't let go of. Well, the day comes, as Judas finds out, the day comes when God bears it no longer, when Christ bears it no longer and gives us over to our sin because we refused to repent. And at this moment for Judas, he was beyond hope of repentance. He was given over to Satan. And what a perilous place it is when we, are, uh, when we allow ourselves to entertain sins in the privacy of our mind, thinking other people won't see it or God won't see it. Well, he does. Uh, and to think that we can do that and be in fellowship with Christ. Well, the day comes when after we've ignored the last extension of God's kindness, that there's just no more left. And God says to Satan, you can have this person because all my grace, all my mercy does not turn him from his sin. And Satan then has free reign to enter him completely. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 29, verse 1. He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. And so, brothers and sisters, if if there is sin that you know that you've been cherishing, that you know that you have not let go of, that you've not surrendered to God, you should not even come to this table. Don't come with a divided heart. Don't come thinking, I can have fellowship with Jesus and I don't need to let go of my sin. Understand how close you are, if if that is you, how close you are to falling forever and how how long forever really is. Even in this final, final moment for Judas, you know, he could have received that bread that Jesus had dipped and given to him. He could have received it and in that moment yet still turned from his sin. He could have confessed right then and there. He could have said, Lord Jesus, I'm now ashamed of myself. I mean, all this time I've been plotting and scheming. I've been even planning, Lord, to, to betray you. And now I see how evil it was, how you've done nothing but show grace and kindness to me. Judas could have said that, could have turned in that moment and still been saved, but he didn't. And so that was his last chance. Well, at this point, Jesus then says to him, Judas, what you're about to do, do it quickly. 
And you see, Jesus is still in control of the situation. He's not, uh, he, he wants his disciples to know, I, the Son of Man laid down his life of his own authority, uh, as he told them before. And so Judas obeys him. Judas arises and departs. None of the other disciples understood what was going on. Uh, They thought perhaps he was going to get food for the feast. Uh, Remember, this isn't yet Passover. It's a couple days before. It's the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, And so uh, Jesus could have sent Judas out to go and make sure you have food for Passover uh, because the stores are going to be closed on, on Passover. So some of the disciples think that's what's going on. Others think that perhaps he's giving gifts to the poor. This was also a custom that uh, the poor in all of Jerusalem were, were invited into the courtyard of the temple so that during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, people would come visit the temple and give gifts uh, to, to those poor. So they think perhaps that's what's going on. None of them understand what Judas is actually doing. Well, Judas receives the morsel of bread, gets up, and leaves. And then John says, John says, it was night. I think it's just a little detail. But John is highlighting something here. Uh, you, you see his, his skill here in, in painting a scene for us. It is night, and not just uh, the sense that the sun had set, but Jesus is entering the, the nighttime of his life, the darkest part of his earthly journey. In fact, in a larger sense, the world is entering the nighttime of its existence, the darkest moment in human history. Uh, John doesn't mention daylight again uh, until chapter 20 on resurrection morning, several days uh, later, uh, even though there, yeah, there were days uh, in between. Uh, John wants us to see this is a, this is a time of, of darkness. And it was night for Judas as well, wasn't it? It was night for Judas. He's heading out of the upper room where Christ is into the outer darkness from which he is not ever going to come back. He's leaving the light of the world as we've been introduced to Jesus in chapter 1, he's leaving the light of the world and he's heading into eternal night. Brothers and sisters, as we think about that, where is your heart in relation to the Lord Jesus? And Christ is here at this table inviting you to to enjoy fellowship with him, to receive his body and his blood, uh, to, to be with him in the upper room with his disciples. Will you come to the Lord Jesus? Will you enjoy fellowship with the light of the world? Uh, If so, the darkness can't come with you. The darkness has to be left behind. The darkness, when it comes before Jesus, is exposed by the light. The two cannot coexist. And so see here in this picture of the Lord's Supper how the gospel really is a two-edged sword. It testifies against Judas, uh, uh, against those who dare to partake and receive from the, the, the bread and wine from the Lord Jesus while refusing to surrender their sin. But it's a two-edged sword. That same gospel also invites those, including those like Judas, who've cherished evil in their heart, who've done wickedness, who've devised plans that were unholy and that were shameful. The gospel invites us also to lay down those sins, to lay down that evil, to surrender it to God, and to come to this table and receive Christ's perfect grace and forgiveness. So, brothers and sisters, as we come, come with a clean conscience to Christ's table. Come with a clean conscience because you've confessed your sin already to Christ. Don't let Satan deceive you into thinking that you can receive the bread from Christ's hands and still uh, keep in your heart your plans far from God. It's It's what David says in Psalm 32, Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
The man who's not double-minded when he receives from Christ. Or in the words of the prophet Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's still near. Isn't that exactly the message Judas needed to hear? Uh, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Or recognize, brothers and sisters, and tremble at how easily we can harden our hearts. Without God's grace to soften us, we are just like Judas. It's for this reason, too, that God has given us to one another. Uh, It says James in in James 5.16, Confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. You can't walk the Christian life alone. You can't keep your integrity without the help of your brothers and sisters. Our nature is like sheep to go astray. So what Hebrews says as well, Hebrews 3, verse 12, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now, at the same time, if you can say with with the psalmist in Psalm 17, uh, give ear to my prayer, O Lord, from lips free of deceit, then also come to the table and receive the comfort that Christ alone can offer you. Uh, This table is for sinners. It's not for perfect people. It's not for people that are righteous in themselves. It's for sinners like Judas, who by God's grace have been turned from their sin to Christ. It's not for those who have not sinned or whose hearts are free from from the ongoing influence of sin. It's for those who grieve their sin and desire to flee from it and live in the grace of God. So, brothers and sisters, come and welcome to the table of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's now receive the blessing from the Lord our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.